Well, let's talk about uh, Lent for a few moments here this morning. Not everybody celebrates Lent, but there are principles that are associated with this time of year that really apply to everybody. The word Lent comes from the word that means lengthen. It uh, is an acknowledgement that the days are getting longer in spring. Originally, Lent was 40 hours long. It was a fast to recognize you know, Jesus going through the Passion. In the third century, it got lengthened to six days. In about 800 AD, it got changed to the 40 days we know as the time limit today. Lent starts on Ash Wednesday, of course, and it's not exactly 40 days till Easter. It's 46. Sundays are not counted in those days because Sunday is to celebrate the resurrection, where Lenten season is about examining self, repentance, and looking at uh, your life and things that may need to change. And Sunday is about celebrating that the tomb is empty. Those 40 days correspond, of course, with Christ spending 40 days in the wilderness. So let's take a brief look at that. That account is found in Matthew, Mark, and then it changes a little bit in Luke, something significant we'll see here in just a moment. But we all remember Matthew chapter 4, where we're told that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The devil came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So there's going to be three challenges from the enemy here. And each challenge, of course, we all know Jesus responds with, it is written. And then he quotes an Old Testament scripture. So when Satan says, turn the stones into bread, Jesus says, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil then takes him to the holy city and stands him on a high point of the temple and says, you know, throw yourself down and God will send his angels to catch you. And Jesus said, it's written, Don't put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil takes him to a high mountain and says, you know, all the kingdoms of the world can be yours if you just bow down and worship me. Of course, Jesus said, away from me, Satan. It's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then it says the devil left him and angels came and attended to him. There's two pictures painted here in this temptation of Christ. He is the new Adam. Adam failed the temptation the devil brought. Jesus, the last Adam is going to succeed in overcoming that temptation. He faced the same temptations Adam faced, you know, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And again, he dealt with every temptation by quoting scripture saying, it is written. William Beta notes, we have at our disposal the same spiritual resources Jesus used when he faced and defeated Satan. We have the word of God, fasting, prayer, meditation, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We are more than equipped to overcome. It's also important to note that Jesus is paralleling what happened in the life of Moses when Moses received the Ten Commandments. Then he would fast 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus also having that same fasting. It was Martin Luther who said it so well, Christ followed the example of Moses who fasted 40 days and nights when he received the law of God. Thus Christ also wished to fast when he was about to bring to us the new law. And of course, we're told, as John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Interesting study by Harvard Business Review about job satisfaction. Just a few years ago, they they interviewed several people. The conclusion of that survey was simply this. Around 50% of those interviewed reported their job, quote, had no meaning or significance. 50% of people at work said their job had no meaning or significance. Again, people are questioning, you know, 
am I contributing in a way that anybody notices? Is my life lived in such a way that anybody cares? And when you look at what happens with Jesus in the temptation, we're going to see this temptation, it was significant that it happened in the desert because he's going to enter into the desert of life to rescue you and me, all those who believe in him to show that yes, your life matters. When people are at work and they say, my job has no meaning or significance, Jesus says, let me show you how significant you are. I went into the, the wilderness, this desolate place to win victory on your behalf. You know, D.K. Olakoya put it like this. Seek the restoration of your destiny through aggressive prayer. You want to find meaning in life. You want to find renewed relationships. You find, want to find answers to prayers. Seek the restoration of your destiny through aggressive prayer. Believing in the one who entered into the desert to bring life where there seemed to be no life, to bring light where there seemed to be just darkness, and overcoming the evil one, and now, because of his victory, we are more than overcomers as well. Listen to what Max Lou Cato wrote, simply entitled, Consider. Consider what God did. He gave his son, his only son. Would you do that? Would you offer the life of your child for someone else? I wouldn't. There are those for whom I would give my life, but ask me to make a list of those for whom I would sacrifice my daughter. The sheet will be blank. I don't need a pencil. The list has no names. But God's list contains the name of every person who ever lived. This is the scope of his love. And this is the reason for the cross. He loves the world. Aren't you glad the verse does not read God loved the rich or God so loved the famous or God so loved the thin? It doesn't. Nor does it state for God so loved the Europeans or the Africans, the sober or the successful or the young or the old. How wide is God's love? Wide enough for the whole world. Are you included in the world? Then you are included in God's love. You see, again, for those seeking the deeper meaning of life, Jesus says he enters into the desert to destroy the wicked one's works so we might be free, enter into the light of Christ and find in him that love, that joy, that peace, overcoming in all things, sins forgiven, the fear of death conquered, all this and much more. Charles Spurgeon put it just brilliantly when he said, you stand before God as if you were Christ because Christ stood before God as if he were you. Jesus overcame and now that's your rightful inheritance in him, my rightful inheritance in him, the one who entered into the desert to bring us life and overcome the evil one so we can be more than conquerors and live free indeed. Ogmandino, he passed away in the late 90s, but he was a, a great speaker, a writer, just a master at motivation. And he said this, I smile at friend and foe alike. I make every effort to find in him or her a quality to praise. And here's the key. He said, because I realize the deepest yearning of human nature is the craving to be appreciated. The deepest yearning of human nature is the craving to be appreciated. Again, to say, does somebody notice me? Does my life have significance? And Jesus says, your life has significance. How does he show that? Entering in to the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights to secure victory. As I said though, a few minutes ago, the gospel of Mark has a little different reading 
than Matthew and Luke. Notice what Mark says, chapter 1, verse 12. At once the Spirit brought Jesus into the desert where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was there with the wild animals. Key phrase there, what are the wild animals? As Richard Bachman notes, the wild animals in that area at that time, bears, leopards, wolves, cobras, desert vipers, scorpions, hyenas, jackals, desert foxes, wild boars. What was there in that wilderness? Dangerous animals. Not only was the area filled with dangerous animals, as Mark Barber notes, that wilderness might have well has been the surface of the moon. It was a hostile desert in which temperatures would soar in the daytime and plummet at night. The heat of the day, the desert would drive desperation for what little shade could be found. The nights were cold, and that's when the wild beast would hunt. Again, Lent, whether you celebrate Lent itself or not, we can all recognize and stop and say, you know, the 40 days tied to the 40 days of Christ in the wilderness so significant for each one of us because it's him again entering into the desert to stand against the enemy to face wild beast to secure victory for you and for me so that we can stand before God as if we were Christ because he took our place and our sin and stood before God as if he were you and I John Wimber says faith it's spelled r-i-s-k You know, we have to be willing to take the risk to step out, grab hold of the life that is really life that Jesus offers and trust again that he secured that victory for you, for me, so that we can live a life and we don't have to say, you know what, my job has no meaning, no significance, or what's going to happen to my marriage, or what about this financial struggle? We can turn to him and say, you know what, he entered into a desolate place because that is his great love for you, for me. He was victorious in that place so that we can be victorious overcomers day to day. I want to read one verse here from Deuteronomy. One of the most beautiful verses here. Moses is singing a song and it's his farewell address. The last sermon he's going to give before he passes away. Deuteronomy 32 verse 31 Moses has been challenging the children of Israel to say, are you committed to following God's commands? And they say, yes, we are. And Moses says, you won't stay faithful. You're going to turn away after your own selfishness. And the people say, no, we won't. And Moses says, you will. But when you do that, ask forgiveness and return to the truth. And then he challenges the people and he says, you know, you're going to go into a foreign land And there's going to be strange religions there. And you're going to be tempted to follow after those religions. He says, don't do it. He says, but I know that you will. And when you find yourself fallen, repent and turn back to the truth. The people say, we won't follow those strange religions. But of course they do. And Moses says, though, when you do that, remember this. And this is Deuteronomy 32, 31. Their rock is not like our rock. Their rock is not like our rock. 
You look at things of the world, what people pursue, what people think brings significance, what people will exhaust themselves pursuing to find the emptiness is just expanded once they get what they thought they wanted. Their rock is not like our rock. All through scripture, Jesus is proclaimed to be that rock that is higher. In a parable, of course, he shares, you know, there's the sand that washes away or there's the person who builds that foundation on the solid rock and the storms come and they can't move that foundation. Their rock is not like our rock. The world has answers. They seek certain things, selfishness that is driven to more selfishness and to get for self. Their rock is not like our rock. When people say my job has no meaning or my life has no meaning, they need to understand the true rock who is Christ who infuses meaning into every moment of life when we stop and say, you know what, he for 40 days, for 40 nights went to battle on our behalf that we can be overcomers in all things. Their rock is not like our rock. Bill Johnson summarizes beautifully what it is to know that rock. God is good. Nothing is impossible. The blood of Jesus paid for everything. And every person is significant. You see, that's why this time, whether you celebrate Lent or recognize Lent, you can still stop and say, you know, there's a 40-day period here leading up to Easter where part of that recognition is of what Jesus did 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness have gratitude, have your strength and your faith encouraged. Stop and recognize again. You know, if you're at the end of your rope, know that there is one who entered into a desolate place so you and I don't have to live there. You know, maybe you're at the end of a relationship and you think, how can this ever turn around? Know there's one who stood before wild beasts to secure on your behalf, on my behalf, life, forgiveness, and truth. You know, how Elrod, a speaker, shared something to really stop and think about. You know, people that, that recognize Lent, for some, they give up things. It might be a certain food or a certain hobby, and, and for some, they choose to do that. Others do not. But here's a great thing, though, for each of us to stop and say, whether it's Lent or any other time, to really give up. How Elrod says, let today be the day you give up who you've been for who you can become. Let today be the day you give up who you've been for who you can become. If you felt like your life was not significant, see in this time period again how much Christ paid for you and for me 40 days and 40 nights to show victory in our life, secure it on our behalf. You know, to stop and say, you know what, their rock is not like our rock who is the one, the solid foundation uh, on which we stand. All other ground is sinking sand, so in him I can face all things. Of whom shall I be afraid? And maybe, again, this time is to stop and say, what is it that I need to to give up? And maybe it's giving up who I've been so I can become who he's calling me to be. You know, we've talked before, a great leadership, a self-leadership principle Anthony Robbins shares is to see things as they are, not worse than they are. You know, most people expand the negatives in life, and that's why they have so much struggle in their personal life. They're expanding the negatives rather than seeing the assets that they have day-to-day, things like health and true wealth in relationships, opportunities before them, a spiritual richness in their life. 
The second part is to see things as they could be, to look at your own marriage maybe and say, you know what, it may not be what it is meant to be, but I can see what it could become. And then the third step is make things as you see them. Giving up some things, maybe it's giving up things like negative comments, maybe it's giving up anger, maybe it's giving up prayerlessness and committing to to pursue with aggressive prayer the destiny for your life and me for my life. Their rock is not like our rock. So for 40 days, for 40 nights, again, not everybody celebrates Lent or recognizes it, but each, each of us can take the spiritual principles and say, I know that Jesus secured that victory, overcame the evil one, stood before wild beasts, and I can proclaim day to day, you know what, their rock All these answers that people have that don't hold water are not like our rock. So I love the story of William Cowper. In the 1700s, he would share that his mother died. He was just a a young child at the time. His father was not very warm, didn't have a closeness to him, and didn't know how to raise a child on his own. So his father sent him away to boarding schools, abandoned him essentially. And William Cowper would go into deep depression. He lost his mom. He's a child. Now his dad has abandoned him. He's in a foreign place. And as he grows, he continues to grow in fear and that feeling of rejection. As he becomes an adult, he eventually has so much sadness and depression. He has a nervous breakdown. At this point, he had thrown away his Bible, announced he was an atheist. So he got to the hospital after this nervous breakdown, and there was a doctor there that understood the grace and the love of God. And this doctor shared this with him, and William Cowper would say about that day when this doctor said, God is not vengeful, God is filled with grace and love and forgiveness. And Cowper would say of that day, I was so overwhelmed, I think I would have died with gratitude and joy. My eyes filled with tears. My voice was choked. I could only look up to heaven in silence, overwhelmed with love and wonder. We may not know William Cowper's name, but he would eventually travel around and meet somebody we all know, and that's John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace. They would become best friends, and William Cowper would say you would never meet somebody uh, that was a better friend than John Newton. To see this guy whose life has been transformed, you know, John Newton, again, was a violent man. He was a slave trader, and then God brought him to a place of repentance of all of that and how he treated people, and he then became a preacher and a gospel writer. And, of course, Amazing Grace, he writes, God saved a wretch like me, a very personal word, as he saw how dark his life had been. And so Cowper would say, you know, John Newton, what a great friend to see this guy transformed by the love of God and grace, and they began to write hymns together. They would take long walks together and share discussions about Scripture and God's amazing love. They wrote countless hymns together, but Cowper's most popular is probably this. Again, a man, think about it. He was in the desert. He was alone. He was abandoned. And he recognized then from somebody showing him the truth that Jesus entered that desert, that desolate place, to bring him life. So Cowper would write this, his most famous hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood 
lose all their guilty stains. Again, their rock is not like our rock. So whatever needs you might have, what I might have, again, know that the perfect one, the risen one, the Christ has entered into the desolate place to rescue you, to rescue me. That's why one of my, and my favorite stories has always been Steve Camp, who shared, you know, he went to the hospital. He was visiting some people. He was known as a minister that brought love and grace. And the people asked him, will you, will you meet with this woman in this room over here? She's depressed and she won't talk to anybody. She's suicidal. And, and so Steve Camp said he went into the room to try to talk to this lady and she just stared blankly at the wall. So he said, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. You don't have to talk. And he shared a few things. And after a few minutes, you know, she wouldn't look at him. So he got up and said, maybe I'll come back and see you another time. He went to the door and she said, spoke for the first time. Why don't you want to kill yourself like I want to kill myself? Steve Camp said, you know what? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. He said, maybe I can come back and share some more about that. And she said, I like that. And he came back and some other people shared the gospel with her. And within a month, this woman who was suicidal and broken because she had been abused by men so bad, suddenly had peace and life and she left the hospital. They stayed in contact and a couple years went by and he got a wedding invitation. She was getting married and she signed the wedding invitation, I tree you. And Steve Camp shared, he and his wife went to the wedding. Here was this woman who had been broken and now she shined and it was beautiful He and his wife said, we're so happy. You're so happy. What a great wedding. He said, I do have a question, though, is how come you sign your letters? I tree you. And he said, this woman said, you know what? People say I love you too easy. And I've had people say I love you, and they did some of the most terrible things to me. So I'm not sure what love is. But when I look at a tree, I find beauty there. And so I can relate to that beauty. And so I say I tree you to people to let them know how much they mean to me. And she said, Steve, are there any trees in the Bible? And he was able to share, you know, there is the most magnificent tree in the Bible. A tree on which Christ would be crucified to lay down his life for you, for me, so our sins could be washed away. Hope springs eternal. And day to day we can know how significant our life is because his great love compels us to know that in him all things are promised to be yes and amen. And there simply is no rock like our rock. That's why we recognize this time of year. That's why we look forward to Resurrection Sunday. That's why day to day we proclaim in him it is finished. He is risen. The tomb is empty. And through Christ, we have life itself. Again, that's why we proclaim their rock is not like our rock.